Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. You see, if you don't understand all of this, you won't understand God's faithfulness. So he, he had a plan in his mind before he did anything. This is before Lucifer was created, before he was prayed, knowing that there was a possibility. But what he did was that, okay, that's possibilities there. But if I show them the folly, the foolishness, the pain that comes from those things, and I give them a chance to repent because I paid the price, then they'll be fine. The only people who are going to suffer are those people who did not take the provision that he made. He knew we could fall. He knew man could fall. And even angels, you know, like he told me some years ago, he said, you know, Lucifer was created perfect. Summon of the sum of wisdom. But if you go and read Ezekiel 28, you, 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 you give a glimpse. That's why you need revelation knowledge. Just summarize it. You know, he said that, you know, he said, the merchandise of thy, uh, of, of thy, ta- let, let, let's read it. Ezekiel 28. Don't let me say it from head. I'm talking about God's faithfulness. Who's still on my side? Ezekiel 28. He's talking about the devil here. He's not talking about, you know, the prince of Tyre, the king of Tyre, which is just, you know, a human being. But this was a spiritual ruler over that physical ruler. In talking about the devil, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get onto all of that. Yes. Verse 15. Thou was perfect in the ways. See, God didn't make anything bad. You have to understand this. Thou was, in the day thou was created, till iniquity was found in thee. God did not put the iniquity there. The iniquity was a consequence of a distortion of what God had made. You see, once God created things, the potential for evil is there. What is evil? Evil is a rearrangement of what God has made. See, this, this chair in front of me here has in it, going to physics now, you know, at the elementary level, let's just keep it simple. It has electrons, it has protons, and it has neutrons. But they have a particular configuration that causes that thing to be a chair. You can take those same electrons and protons and neutrons and put them in another configuration and it will form arsenic, which is poison. If you sit on that chair, you'll be comfortable. If you drink arsenic, it will kill you. It's the same protons, neutrons, and electrons. So, there is nothing intrinsically evil in the protons, electrons, and the earth. It's just the way they are configured. What is evil? Evil is, God says, this is the way I've made this thing. This is how it works. Don't change it. Because if you change it, you're going to get into trouble. Then they change it. Then they suffer for changing it. Then God, you know, many times, he will not do anything for some time. So that you see the folly of your, of your stupidity. And then if you repent and you come back to him, he will he'll put it aside. 
If you don't, and you continue in it, you pass a, a point of no return, then God will punish you. Isn't it just? A clap offering for the Lord. That was perfect in thy ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Now, look at what caused it. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the merchandise, filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. I, therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. This is all this long before Adam was created. We don't know how long it was. Billions of years. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, for the midst of the stones of fire. Thy heart was lifted up because of your beauty. And you have corrupted thy wisdom by reason of your brightness. Yeah, wisdom came from God, but he corrupted it. I will cast thee to the ground, and I will lay thee before kings. That's you and I, who are going to become kings. And I'm going to use my own children, who become kings in Christ Jesus, to deal with you. That they may behold thee, and thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities and by the iniquity of thy traffic. Bottom line, this is what happened. It didn't happen in a day. It did not happen in a year. It certainly did not happen in a millennium. I don't know. The Bible is silent on that. You know, but we can, we can from what we know of God and his character, and his, we, can, you know, we, can, we, can, we can estimate it must have run into millions of years. Satan was put in charge of the earth and he was supposed to be reporting to God. After a while, because of the wisdom God had given him, he felt he didn't need God. He didn't need to be, he didn't need to be reporting to God. So the Bible says here, it says, uh, multitude of thy merchandise. That's money, trade. You see, this is what I, I believe happened. Uh, this is a general thing, it, you know. He was, do, you know, causing, there was, there was trade, there was civilization here on earth, you know. There were men, you know, um, not like us, but, you know, uh, uh, they had physical bodies. They were living here on earth. And he was supposed to be reporting to God. What's God going to do with the money? God's, <laughs> come on. You know, it's just a question of honor, love, respect. You report back. But the multitude of his merchandise, because of what he had, and the material things that he had, and he said, look, I can have my own kingdom here. I don't need, I don't need God. This didn't happen in a week. It didn't happen in a year. It didn't happen in 10 years. It happened in over millions of years. And I, because I know God, I know God and I know his character. I know he is long-suffering. I know, I'm sure he must have sent to him, you know, spoken to him. Look, stop this. You know, this is going gonna, is gonna to lead in disaster. You know, stop it. You know, but he continued. He continued. He continued. So that the original good that God had made in him became distorted. That's what happens when you're cut off from your source. You can use a natural illustration. If you have a spring of water, you know, coming out, you know, clean, pure, then it begins to flow somewhere. Then somebody blocks the original stream. Then the water now 
you know, uh, congregates, you know, it, 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 it's stored now in a pool, but it's no longer what will happen, it will get corrupted. Amoeba and all kinds of germs and everything, that's, that's what happens spiritually. That's why we call spiritual death separation from God. God is the source of life. If, he's, if you stay in constant with him, the life is constantly renewed. If you don't, the one that is inside you that you got will start getting distorted and corrupted. That's what happened to Lucifer. And the, 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 the thing that happened to him was because he refused to continue to stay in uh, submission to God and stay in contact with God, which is the, who is the source the source of your life and the source of your wisdom. That is why after God made man, you know, and then he brought up Moses and he gave us the law, the Torah, especially the book of Deuteronomy. He said, I said before you this day, life and death. He said, therefore, choose life. So I said, I will be thy strength and thy life and the length of thy days. He knows what he's talking about. He made you. He made me. He made all of us. You know, so God is not a man that he should lie. He watches over his word to perform it. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Is anybody still on my side? I heard my pastors. I didn't hear anybody else. Is anybody still on my side? Well, that's better. <laughs> then said the Lord unto me, talking to Jeremiah, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. That's old English. If you look at the more modern translations, in the New International Version, I, I think is very... Say, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, God is faithful. You know what he said? He said, I am watching. Present continuous tense. You see, God doesn't just say something and then forgets it. Every, can you, every promise he has made to every individual is being monitored daily to see that it is fulfilled. A clap offering for the Lord. Every, not one jot. Jesus said it this way when he came. He said, not one jot or two will fail. Heaven and earth will pass away. Not one jot of the word of God will fail until all be fulfilled. That's why I'm so confident that we are going to see a manifestation of the glory of God. And a manifestation of the sons of God. You know, I'll tell you my own thinking, the way I think, you know, which is in line with the word of God anyway. You know, it's, and in, in courts of law, you know, uh, Brother OJ and all our learned friends will tell you this. The courts depend on precedents. When you want to prove a case, you go back to history. And you go and bring out uh, uh, this versus this in 1963. This was the judgment. This versus this in 1965. This one was the judgment. The conditions of this particular case are the same conditions as that one. As that one. Quote four or five of them. Bring them. Bring them before a judge. What is he going to do? He has. He cannot break what has been. So it is with the word of God. When God, when, when God tells you. He's going to do this. So let me come back to my own thinking, you know, based on that. God promised in his word that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be born again. 
I, Ulubi Johnson, I'm talking about myself now. I got born again. I don't think I got born again. I know I got born again. My nature changed. Oh, yeah. People who knew me before I got born again can, t can testify. Then he also promised that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit and we will speak in tongues. I, Ulubi Johnson, I got born again and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I spoke in tongues. I even spoke in Aramaic, which I didn't even know existed at that time. You know? And over these 39 years, 43 years, I have seen God, you know, fulfill his word in my life in so many areas. Protection, you know, marriage, children, all the different things, you know, uh, prosperity, blessing, ministry, you know, and all of that. So, I've seen him. Why then will I doubt that this other one that he said, that, you know, he had given us the earnest of his inheritance. That he is now going to give us the full inheritance. Why would I doubt that that one will come to pass when all the others have come to pass? I've got precedent, precedent, precedent. This other one will come to pass. A clap offering for the Lord. A certain, and then one of the scriptures actually says this, I think it's in Hosea, you know, as certain as the sun will come up, the glory of God will come to the church. Because this God we're serving, he's watching over his word to see that it is fulfilled. He knows that's why that scripture is in the Bible. He knows that some of it has not yet been fulfilled. He knows that. That's why he says, I am watching. He said, you have seen correctly. He says, I am watching. Watching is present continuous. I am alert. I'm active. I am constantly monitoring to see to it that everything I told you will come to pass. It will come to pass. And anytime you're tempted to doubt, look at your history. The, this same God who brought you to where you are today. Where were you? Just some years ago. Think back. The Yoruba people have a saying, and a person who knows how to think and reflect will be a person who will be a person of deep gratitude. When you think about where God brought you from, where would you be today if God didn't save you? Fill you with the Holy Spirit. Plant you in a church like this. All the things that you've been blessed with. Your wife, your children, all the blessings and everything. You know, then is it now for time for you to start doubting him? Oh, uh, so spirit without measure is too big for God to do. It's beyond his power. To, to, to change Nigeria is too big for him. The Nigerian problem is bigger than God. No. God's faithfulness. He's faithful. He's watch. He's actively. He's not sleeping. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He has resources beyond your wildest imaginations. He has trillions of angels. I didn't say millions. I said trillions. Go and read the book of Revelation. It says thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. You know, they didn't have mathematics like we have it today. So they, don't, they didn't know 10 to power, 20, 20 to power. They, you, you can't even begin to, you can't even begin to um, fathom it. You can't begin to comprehend the, the magnitude of God's resources.
each of us, according to the scriptures, you know, uh, can have a 12 legions of angels. Where did I get that from? Jesus said, you know, when they came to arrest him and, you know, and all of that, and Peter wanted to fight. He said, no, no, put your sword down. He said, don't you think I can pray? Watch these words. And God will presently, he used that word presently, give me 12 legions of angels. He said, but this is the will of God. I have to die and, and suffer for humanity. You know? Immediately they came and said, who is Jesus now? He said, I am here. All of them fell down. Who pushed them? The angels. They won't, they won't stand by for any instruction that will come out of the mouth of the master. But he, he pulled it back so that the will of God could be done. How then would Isaiah 53 be fulfilled if you didn't allow them to arrest him? He hasn't changed though. He's still the same God. He watching over his word to perform it. And that God, every single one of us as individuals, all the promises of God, Bible says by in, in him they are here and they are amen. Those angels under instruction from heaven are watching your life. They are watching your circumstances to see that that word is fulfilled. All God needs from you, as I begin to close, is to keep your own part of the covenant. I mentioned this during the Bible study. Even that is not difficult. He said his commandments are not grievous. He said his yoke is easy, his burden is light. I, yet not I, but the grace of God is that I have found that the Bible is true. I'm dealing with an honest person of great integrity. A faithful person. He's not asked, he hasn't asked, he said, his commandments are, he hasn't asked us to do some difficult thing. I said it's during Bible study, but the best re repetition as I close. He said, you don't have to go to the heaven to go and bring it to do it. And you don't have to go across the sea to go and bring it, you know, to do it. He said, what is it? He said, the word is nigh thee. He said, it is in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou, that's all God requires from you and I. To give him a portal. To give him an avenue through which his, the Holy Spirit can release his power into the earth that the angels can use to fulfill that word. What aborts our destinies and doesn't allow the word of God to come to pass in our lives as individuals is when we break that law, those spiritual laws of speaking God's word, putting it in our heart, Praying in tongues, walking in love, walking in forgiveness, because it's all interconnected. You know, those, that's why that's why the word of God doesn't come to pass in our lives. When we break the spiritual laws and the law of love, then we abort, even though the angels have been watching over it to perform it, you know, then we don't allow them to finish it. If there are other people praying for us, God can use their prayers to some degree to ameliorate the situation. But after a while, you are responsible for your own destiny. The Bible tells us in two places. It's in Galatians. It says that, you know, we should help one another's burdens. Then the same Bible says every man shall carry his own burden. It shows the dual responsibility. There is a responsibility to carry your burden. 
and there is a promise that that burden will be helped by others. But you cannot abdicate and, you know, put up your hands in despair, you know, and, and, and say you don't do your part and then you're expecting God now to use other people to come and do your part for you. He will do it only to a degree. Usually to save you from hellfire. Says whom I have delivered unto Satan. That boy was on the wrong trajectory. You know, to, for the destruction of the flesh. That spirit may be saved. So he can do that, you know, because he refused, the, the boy refused to use the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to keep his flesh under, to deal with the sin nature of his flesh that would stop him from committing adultery with his father's wife. And then he put great punishment on him, caused the church to sanction him, to um, uh, 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 cut him off, so to speak, you know, and make him feel ashamed. The boy repented. And Paul said, he's Brendan. I said, now take him back. You know, what I'm saying is this. There is a corporate responsibility. There is individual responsibility. You need both. And nobody is going to do your praying for you. Nobody is going to do your confession for you. Nobody is going to do your forgiving for you. Nobody is going to do your walking in love for you. You got to do it by yourself. But what other people are doing will help you to do it. And make the yoke easier and the burden lighter. You know, God gave me a thought. You know, when he said his commandments are not grievous. Then he said, who? You don't have to go to heaven and bring it down. You don't have to go across the sea to bring it down. You know, and then he reminded me of what happens with evil spirits. Of course, as Christians, you should never do this. But if somebody goes to a native doctor to seek for power, maybe to have money or, you know, to have children or something, if you see the kind of commandments they give them, you cannot understand why it says, my own are not grievous. You know, usually they will ask them to do some horrible things. You know, you go into the forest in the middle of the night, you go and get the lizard of seven, you get the tails of seven lizards, and they must be red or, or purple in color. Then you, you know, you, you'll be amazed. The long list that evil spirits give men in order to get, to get, get power. You must go carry calabash, you know, you know, with, the, with something on it in the middle of the night in the, the, in, the, in, the, in the market square, you know, and go in this way and go this way and go this way and go this way. You know, sometimes they say, you must give me your first son. Yes, people do it. I was reading the papers just yesterday. I think it was Tribune. You know, I just saw, you know, I don't read because I don't have time because I'm praying, you know, but I just scanned the headlines and all of that. And there was a confession of a farmer who offered his last child as a sacrifice to get money to train the other children. It was, it was in the papers. Go and check me out. That's a grievous commandment. The only Bible says, my commandments are not grievous. God is not going to ask you to do that. God just says, put my word in your mouth. Put it in your heart. Forgive your brother. Walk in love. Pray in tongues and leave the rest to me. I give him a clap offering somebody. And leave the rest to me. 
A scripture I use anytime I'm in a test and trial and I do have them, you know, Satan brings his, you know, like David Ingalls sings, Satan with his bag of tricks keeps on trying to put the shock on me. You know, he comes with all of this. You know, I found a modus operandi that works all the time. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing stand in prayer. If you keep that MO, that's modus operandi, you know, method of operation, if you, if you walk in this, you will see the faithfulness of God in your life. Keep the word of God in your mouth. Keep it in your heart. Have love in your heart. Forgive. Believe the best of people. All the 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Write it into your mind. Into your heart. And practice it. And then pray in tongues. Observe the order. The tongues will not work if the love is not in the heart. Bible says, though I speak with tongues of men of angels, I don't have love. No. You see, that's why so many things are not working for so many of us. And we begin to wonder what's going on. Go and check those things. Sometimes it's omission. Sometimes it's commission. You know, he didn't say once in a while. He said, when you get up, when you walk by the way, when you sit down in your house, when you slide down. Uh, uh, at least once every six hours. You must keep the word of God in your mouth. Keep it in your heart. Have love in your heart and in your actions. Forgive. Show kindness to people like what I was preaching during the Bible study. You know, especially people, you know, what, what really impresses God is what you do to people who cannot do back to you. Jesus said so. He said that when you, he said when you have a feast... He said, don't invite your rich neighbors and friends. Now, that doesn't mean you should invite them. You know, it doesn't mean you shouldn't. What he was teaching a principle. He said, because they will recompense you. He said, but when you, when you do a feast, he said, invite the halt, the lame, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the dumb, the, the, the blind. He said, he said, because you will be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. What is Jesus telling us? The Lord Jesus is telling us that help people who you know cannot reward you immediately or in this life. Help them. See, that, that shows in your heart that you really appreciate what I'm doing for you and what I said. You know, of course, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have parties where you invite your friends. He's not saying that at all. Jesus himself went to parties that he was invited by his friends and, 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 and acquaintances. So he, he wasn't saying that. He was just saying that it was selfish of them to do that alone and then not care for the poor. That's what he was saying. So remember the poor. Remember those who are not as, uh, uh, as I don't like to use the word fortune, you know, as not as privileged as you are in this life. And I'm going to add something at this time because situations change. The big men of yesterday are the paupers of today. And now the big men of today, you will not find them in a few years' time. It says, behold, you know, the, the rich man, it says in the book of James, he says, I sought to look for him and I could not find him. Stand to your feet. We're talking about the faithfulness of God. God is faithful, but he requires you to be faithful in keeping his word in your mouth and in your heart. 
in practicing the love of God, in praying in the Spirit, in reading your Bible, all those things I taught us last time when we looked at the chart. He expects you to be, and he, he gives you the mercy and the grace to do it. They are not grievous compared to what the devil will ask you to do. See, Christians don't realize that. That's why he put it like that. He says it's not above. You know, I remember reading all these funny stories when we were kids. You know, uh, uh, there's one book that we all read in Form 1. You know, Igwele Dumare. You know, by Fagua. We all read it in Form 1. I want, you know, there's a little devil there called Eshukekere Ode. <laughs> I can, you, know, you know, as a child, can you imagine? I was 10, 11 years old, seeing terrible things like that. You know, I didn't understand Yoruba very well, you know, but I had to brush it up, you know. And there was another one, Ejula. Ejula had the head of a man and the body of a snake. You know, these are devils. In, 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 in the English, I think, um, Wale Shorinka tried to translate some of those books. He said, the, the, thousand, the, the forest of a thousand devils. There are more than a thousand. Horrible, horrible things. Horrible things. And when you read those stories, you see the things they ask the people to do. Then you now know that the God has not asked you to do anything. Keep my word in your mouth and in your heart. You understand? Forgive. Walk, pray in tongues and walk in love. And leave the rest to me. I close with this thought. It's from one of the Psalms. Psalm 80 something, but I don't remember the exact, but I'm sure the Bible people can dig it out. He says, Oh, that my people had hearkened unto my word. He said, I would soon have subdued their enemies. You can see the, the, this thing in God's heart. The, the expectation, the disappointment. He said, oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they had kept my word. He said, I would soon have subdued. He said, it would not have taken me time. Look at what he did with Joshua. Joshua was a young man. He was in his 20s when Moses was leader. And he was Moses' servant. Another question, which is for another day, I'm not going to answer it today. Where were Moses' sons? Let's put it on one side food for thought. Those are two sons. Gershom and Elijah. It was another person who was not his son that stood as a son. It was Joshua who was serving the man of God. And the Bible says when Moses would get up and go, he says, the young man Joshua sat at the tabernacle. Look at what God did through that young man. He outlived all his compatriots. Most of them died in the wilderness in 40 years. All of them died, except for Caleb. Then they now came to the uh, uh, border of the land. God takes Moses, and Moses dies. God buries him where no man will know, you know. Then God says, now Moses, my servant, is dead. Now arise and go and divide this land for an inheritance. Within a few years, Joshua got the job done. They overcame all the Anakims and the Jebusites and all. They didn't overcome all of them, but they overcame a great number. And he divided the land. It didn't take, it didn't take long. Joshua lived until 110 years old. He came in, so they, they enjoyed all that blessing for 70 years. 
Oh, that my people had such a heart and they will keep my commandment. He said, I will soon have subdued all your enemies. God will subdue them. All your challenges, God will, he will, he will overcome them. Give him a chance. Give him a portal. Give, give him your mouth. Give him your heart. Give him your will. Give him your emotions and give him your minds and see what he will do. He's a faithful God. Let's talk to God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies, and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you, and God bless you.